With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Euro Incision podcast. It's great to be back. It's a it's it's a great time, you know, busy busy football schedule and the Reds are in hot form in Europe as well. Um looking really really promising for them and we'll obviously talk about all the other all the other games in 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 the Champions League as well. And joining me on this podcast, I am delighted to be joined by my partner in crime in all this. He doesn't need an introduction. We're going to give him one anyway. The insightful, the funny, the charismatic. The taller person on this podcast is Themis Casares. Welcome to the show. <laughs> well, you admit yourself this time. <laughs> I have to give you that. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I just thought I have to change it up a little. I have to change it up a little bit. So, you know what? Let's bring height into it now. You know, let's go. That right, Themis. Um, it's great to have you back on the pod. Um, ooh, um, let's talk about this then. Liverpool, Benfica, and um, first and foremost, um, I guess I want to get your thoughts on like how um how you you know you you thought that went and stuff. I mean like breathe a sigh of relief. It's good that you know Liverpool look very very comfortable. So I'm going to come to you first. I mean the team lineup. There's a lot of buzz about this theme. Is we have to start from yeah. the top. Lots of buzz. Yes. You know um the attack looked great. The defense looked great. Seeing Trent back, Konate would have been good in an aerial uh, sense as well to be with Virgil Van Dijk. That midfield was probably the midfield that lots of people have been, um, you know, sort of daydreaming about, fantasizing about, and lo and behold, and we kind of got it. So, talk to me about the team lineup. I mean, I think a lot of people were very excited and very happy with that. Yeah, obviously you got Trent coming back, mm. which is the biggest concern because if he wasn't starting, then you have to think again about his availability on Sunday versus City and all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, he made the bench in the, the return of uh, club uh, football yes. versus uh, Watford. So we all thought he's, he's starting Tuesday night versus Benfica. Is he starting? And he started. So that, that, that was um, the big news. Mm. We, we got Konate and everybody was thinking, yeah, Matip is not going to play all three games this week. 
So Konate is already have played uh, great games in the Champions League. He started in uh, in Milan as well. Mm. Got Diaz, who were all thinking that he was rested versus Watford, and now he got a, got a chance to start in Portugal. He knows the team. He knows Benfica and all that things. But mm. as you said, we got uh, how, how do you say it? Uh, a unicorn signing. You got uh, Bigfoot, you know, mythical creatures that everybody fantasizes about, but <laughs> no one really saw them. Yeah. And that is the Fab Thiago Nabi. Mm. I've been talking about that since he actually signed uh, Thiago. Thiago, yeah. yeah. And that we never saw that. We never saw them all three playing together because Thiago got injured and Nabi is on and off and mm. all that stuff. And when they were available this season, uh, we, myself, actually were given the impression that, you know what, even if they are all available, Jürgen is never going to play them, all three. Never going to start them, all three in midfield, because he doesn't want that. He wants either Nabi or Thiago playing that left-hand side and set on midfielder role and somebody else like Elliot or Jordan or Jones, maybe, filling the hole on the right. So that's the way it is. And myself, I was convinced that uh, we were never going to see that. And once the lineups came, uh, I was so surprised and so excited to see that, you know, rare sighting of, uh, of a unicorn, of a Bigfoot, of a uh, Leviathan, I don't know any other difficult creatures, <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, it was like, it was in football fantasy, in, in Liverpool's fans head and uh, talks and podcasts and uh, things they talk about when they have a beer or something like that. And uh, that at some point we were convinced that we were never going to see that. And we saw that in a big game away from home in Europe. Joy to behold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think loads of people are really excited about that. And I love the fact that, you know, Jurgen Klopp can kind of change it up and be that attack-minded, knowing that Man City are only a weekend away. You know, we're playing them yeah. on Sunday. And you look at, you know, the, the riches of um, talent on that bench and what Jurgen is able to do. And, you know, Diaz starting as well with with um, Mo Salah and Sadio Mane. It's just, um, it's it's a great position to be in. But Themis, let's kind of talk about this game now. And um, I guess, you know, this is me and this is our podcast. And naturally, I'm a little bit everywhere. So, you know, there is no chronologic order to what I'm going to say or how. I, I just basically yeah. have game thoughts and I just release them and then me and you just talk about them. But for me, I thought the game started in really, really good tempo. I thought, I, I actually... Again, I'm a bit everywhere because it has been two days since we watched the game. I loved the first half. I thought it was just a brilliant game of football. And I'll paint an image to you, theme. It's, so, it's the month of Ramadan, so I'm fasting. And you know what? Yeah. That is the perfect half to watch the football where you're enjoying your food. <laughs> and the Reds are just playing wonderful football. I thought it was played at a good tempo. I thought the Reds were controlling. Yeah. I actually loved what that midfield was doing. I thought Cater was like sort of really linking up well with the attackers. I thought the front three looked really bright as well. You know, there was just so much positive stuff going on in that first half of football. And um, I'd like to get your thoughts on this because I did, we spoke about Benfica and then I did a podcast with Marco about Benfica 
And mm-hmm. he kind of said that their midfield is probably their weakest spot. Yeah, yeah. And I well, felt like we we really did control that in you know in my opinion. Well, let's call it like it was. It was total domination by mm-hmm. Liverpool. Maybe unprecedented domination by Liverpool. I mean, we've gone away from home in Europe with Jurgen. At first, we had some bad results. The Champions League away from home, maybe in the group stages, we lost on Napoli and stuff like that, mm. in PSG and all that stuff. Well, you have to remember, we won at Bayern Munich uh, away from home and we knocked them out after a nil-nil draw on Anfield. And it was the same result, right? But we weren't that dominating. We won at Milan versus Milan and Inter this season. Again, not with that much domination. I mean, especially the first half, as you mentioned. I mean, we have six big chances, six clear-cut chances mm. in 45 minutes of football away from home in a stadium that's, okay, maybe it's not the, the most difficult stadium to play away in Europe, but it's one of the most difficult stadiums to play away from home. They take a lot of pride in the fact that they never lose home ground. They're always attacking and stuff like that. And they can come back as they did versus Ajax to snatch up a draw and go uh, away in Amsterdam and then eventually knock out Ajax in the previous uh, round, knockout round. And that was utter domination. I mean, there's literally no thing that we did, we didn't do as planned that game. I mean, we actually did whatever we wanted to do. <laughs> and it, and it was so enjoying to watch. I mean, for you, <laughs> it was like popcorn, popcorn while watching The Godfather, like watching uh, yeah. a great movie. <laughs> it was something like that because, well, if Mo has his finishing boots on, I don't know what the scoreline oh. might be. Uh, you got a first half that the best player of the opponent is actually their goalkeeper, which is Greek, by the way, and I told you he's yeah. great at it. And along with Simikas, they are by far the two best players we have right now mm. uh, playing for Greece. And uh, we did everything we wanted to do. It was like playing. It was like toying with the, around. It's intensity, of course, with commitment and focus and all that stuff. But you look at that game and you say, my God, that maybe it's one of the best Liverpool performances I've ever seen in my life. I have to tell you that. Because it was total domination. Total domination in every aspect of the game. We controlled the tempo. We controlled the way in the, the areas that we wanted to play. We played whenever we want to. Uh, we had gave them absolutely no chance of counter-attacking or slowing the tempo down or uh, keeping possession for a while and settling in the game. No, we by the neck and uh, we kind of did whatever we wanted to do. We did. I mean, one thing I did kind of notice about Benfica as well, like we said, obviously the midfield, uh, you know, was highlighted was that it wasn't overly great and they had players that's wrapped in there and and so and so. But um, one thing I did kind of notice was every time they did try to attack, I think they tried doing it down their left-hand channel 
and yeah. uh, you know a player like Everton was like hugely involved but most of the time it was quite fruitless but I mean they did try and uh, you know you're speaking about the best goal scorer on the pitch not having his finishing boots but how about this for um, a, a goal then Robo corner Konate yeah. bullet of a header probably the most unlikeliest of goal scorers but you know what our, our centre-backs do pretty well on them corners and um I love I loved him scoring that goal because you would think, you know, the power that he got on it, you would think he's leaped for that. And then when you actually look back at the replay, he might have jumped an inch. Such yeah. a giant. I was like, I was laughing at that. I was like, gosh. I mean, yeah, that guy makes Virgil look uh, normal. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Virgil van Dijk is intimidated. I mean, uh, I would love to get to stand next to him, not only to meet him and talk to him in person, but to see that figure in real life and see it actually his body uh, tight and stuff like that. And Konate is making Van Dijk look like a normal footballer. And <laughs> Virgil is a colossus. And I mean, we got yeah. another one in the, in the the face of Konate. And it's very hard for them to defend Liverpool corners because mm. Obviously, the focus is going to be on Virgil, but you got Konate as well. You got Fabinho as well. It's, he's uh, coming on as a threat uh, recently uh, in set pieces and stuff like that. Mm. So it's very hard for them because we have the delivery, we have the the scouting department, its opponents' weak areas, stuff like that, and do routines and try to avoid and do screens and all that stuff and uh, it's very hard for them we have to give it away i was thought, i was delighted with uh, Konate, to be fair and uh, i have a friend who is uh, he, he bets a lot on football mm-hmm. and he's a i don't i used to but uh, i haven't been doing that for a, more than a decade and then if i do i never play i never bet on liverpool games that's a rule mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, it was a month ago when we started talking and I mentioned him uh, about the the fact that Liverpool are so, scoring so much from set pieces and corners and all that stuff. And we were talking about it from a football uh, point of view, not a betting point of view. But if you're a gambler, you're always looking for an angle. And uh, I remember he said to me, so you're saying that, yeah, you have to bet on, you know, guys scoring from corners because we are maybe the best team in Europe right now at that. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, you know what? Konate hasn't scored. There's a big value on him. So if I were you, if I were you, I would bet some money on Konate for the next two or three months because eventually he's going to score one and mm-hmm. he's going to pay you big bucks. And he did. And I got a thank you message <laughs> after the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine you got a big thank you message. Someone got a big paycheck. Um, yeah, Konate, absolutely brilliant head, a bullet head. I mean, what, one thing that I'm finding, I'm actually enjoying him a lot. Every time I see him, he impresses me more and more and more. Yeah. And he looks so assured. And I thought he might have been an ideal, ideal kind of centre-back pairing for Virgil van Dijk because one thing, I mean, I'm not going to claim to watch a lot of Benfica because I think you'd, I think we'd all know that I'm I'm fibbing here. So from mm-hmm. the very little I have seen of Benfica in the Champions League football and speaking to Marco as well is, uh, you know, they, they, they don't have anything that they specialise in. They just have individual kind of brilliance that they can just bring on whenever they want. So it's just more, mm-hmm. pa- uh, you know, like a passage of play. But I've watched a little bit of the Ajax game and they look quite threatening on set pieces. So for me, a Konate is ideal in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, the kid is phenomenal because he has all these physical abilities and young centre-backs with uh, that amount of physical presence mm. tend to, uh, to over-rely on the physical attributes of the game. They tend to think, you know, I'm stronger than anybody else, so I'm going to outmuscle them. So I'm very fast, so I'm going to outrun them. And that leads to trouble because you cannot always rely on your physical attributes because someday you're going to get an opponent that is he's stronger than you or maybe as strong as you are and maybe faster than you. And you have to rely on the tactical aspect of defending and being in the right place at the right moment uh, every time. Mm. And he, he manages to do that. And I know we're talking about a guy that causes goals. We, we're uploading a guy that eventually made a huge error that led to the thicker scoring. Mm. I don't care. I don't care because it's just a missed kick. It can happen to anybody. It can happen to Franco Baresi. It can happen to Benjamin Van Dijk. It can happen to Sergio Ramos. I don't know. It can happen to any defender. I don't care about that. I, I really don't care about that. It's a very bad moment, but it's not about his positioning. It's not about his reading of the game. It's not about his uh, overall presence. It's something that can happen to anybody. It's football, and you get punished for it. Uh, that's the fate of defenders. That's the fate of goalkeepers. Mm-hmm. Like Allison, if they make a mistake, I don't care. I don't yeah, Allison did one against Leicester in his first season. Let's not forget. You know, yeah. Yeah. you just you know the the human. These things will happen. I mean, yeah, but we'll talk about that in in a, in a minute. But um. I mean, again, right, so that goal happened around about 16 minutes and my yes. word, what a goal it was. And then, you know what, we, we pretty much dominated. And then, can we talk about Trent Alexander-Arnold's crossing? And no, we cannot. No, we, we don't cannot. Have the words. No, I don't, yeah. we don't have the words for it. I mean, come on, the boy, the boy is ridiculous. The boy is ridiculous. He's, just, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about him. Not, to, not in this podcast with you. I don't know what else to say in Twitter. I don't know what else to say about it's him. It's his first game back friends. as well. It's his first game back and people... For, I, I forgot that for a second. That obviously he mm-hmm. didn't feature against Watford. He was out injured. He's yeah. not had football. And he comes back and he, he plays like that. I mean, he he's phenomenal. He, he maybe has the best right foot in the world right now. I don't know what to say. He's... Yeah. Yeah, he's Beckham, he's Giggs, he's, uh, he's everything. He has a, the whole package. I mean, that pass to set Diaz away, yes. that awareness from Diaz to square it with his head yeah. in Sadio's path in an empty net. And the other pass that he made a step over and turned around and sent more away. Yes. And eventually it was saved by the goalkeeper. Yeah. I mean, there's no defending in that. I mean, uh, we're talking about him. He's like a quarterback. He can uh, throw the ball away with his hand, with his right foot, actually. And it, it, it's an inch-perfect pass. Every pass. I mean, uh, it, it, there's no limit to what the boy can do. Uh, he can pass the ball in tight areas. He can find Zota running. He, he has done that a lot this season. There is no kind of pass that he cannot play, he cannot create. I mean, he's phenomenal. I don't know. You're saying, can we talk about him? I don't know if people can talk about him. <laughs> yeah, we cannot find... 
I, yeah, maybe it's the English uh, language, maybe it's the, the language barrier, barrier, but I have no words about the kid. He's absolutely phenomenal. You know what I find really strange? I think it was a commentary on the game that I was watching, obviously, for Benfica, and there was talks mm-hmm. that Gareth Southgate might not pick him. And you know yeah. when you sat there and you're like, okay. Yeah, okay. You, you, you do, you, I mean, I don't support England anyway, but I was like, yep, it's fine, keep him fresh for Liverpool, I don't really care. But, you know, just that, oh, they might want somebody a bit more defensive. I've, you know, you just shake your head, you're just like, okay, whatever. I've had enough of these myths, I'm, I'm quite bored of them, to be honest with you. Let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about the front three. So you know, Diaz obviously getting so booed, and uh, yeah. they were really on his back. But I think he loved it. I think he revelled in it. I think yes. he actually wanted to get that goal, and of course he does mm-hmm. in the second half. But you know, what, what did you make of the front three? I thought from I thought they linked up really well. I I thought there was you know a lot of a um, lot of like working for each other, trying to find each other. I think, obviously, the only thing that people will talk about and focus on is the fact that Marcelo isn't scoring goals at the moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Naturally, we've got a nitpick, but I thought, again, he looked quite domineering on the right-hand side. You know, he was he was trying to, like, take on, you know, the, the defenders and he was, he was trying to do, you know, he was he was involved. He didn't have a quiet game. Obviously, he's not scored a goal and these, these things are concerning, but are they concerning when you think about how much football he's played? How physically yeah. and mental, how physically and mentally he must be tired. Also, we're not heavily, overly reliant. Don't get me wrong, we need more sluggles because he's world class and he's the best on the planet. But we have other players that are taking the load from him. So I want to get your thoughts on this because I feel like he does get under the microscope for all things good and all things when, you know, he's not scoring goals. I won't say bad because it's not bad. Well, we have to start with Diaz because I totally agree with you. He loved the spotlight and the negative reaction every yeah. time he touched the ball. Uh, most players do love it. Do love it. Uh, they don't. Sometimes they get uh, distracted if they're visiting an old club, stuff, yes. stuff like that. If they come mm. to play against their old team and there is a mixed reaction, you know, all that stuff. But when you're playing a versus a hostile crowd, crowd, yeah. but they are specifically hostile. Against you because you used to play for the rivals. No, they absolutely love that. Yeah. And I was, from the moment I had a close eye on him, you know, wanted to to check how he's going to start the game, the first opening minutes. And he looked really comfortable. And I said to myself, yeah, he's going to have a great game. And what more can you ask for from, uh, from Diaz? I mean, uh, he's been here two months, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he did everything because he has the whole package. I mean, running with the ball, uh, t- taking his opponents on one-on-one situations, and then moving as a center forward without the ball, those vertical runs, the di- diagonal runs, in the back of the defense to create the to have the chances to finish uh, to finish uh, off. He had four shots, very successful dribbles. And uh, maybe he could have scored more if he was... Maybe Nabi could have two assists in his name. Mm. If uh, Diaz scored both his big chances, he scored only one, and that's fair. And uh, with Mane, we got him scoring. He played in the Firmino role. I think Sadio was... Uh, was of great assistance to 
Sario, because mm. at some point in the first half, you, I thought that Nabi was playing as a second striker. We didn't actually play with a 4-3-3. We played with 4-2 and maybe, maybe 4-4-2 because it was Thiago Bob controlling the midfield and Nabi mm. was in a very free role, roaming whatever he wanted but especially getting inside the box. I mean, yep. the game and after the game was finished, the first thing I checked was how many touches in the opposition box Nabi had. And he had seven touches. I mean, that must be the most by any Liverpool midfielder. Mm-hmm. Because we don't play that way. We don't have midfielders running into the box. We rarely do that. We never did that even when we won the league, actually. That's not, that's not our game plan. Mm. For our midfielders to bombard the the opposition box. No, we we are set up in a different way. And that game, Nabi was always always going. He had that weak header, which was a great chance, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I think Sario was helped by 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 Nabi a lot. So I was concerned. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Thinking that you know he's a little bit tired, both physically mm. and mentally, mm-hmm. with the Afcon and everything like that. And he, he, we have to remember that he picked for two months. He was the best player in the world. Yeah. His his form for two months was absolutely outstanding. There's bound to have you know a drop. You're bound, yeah, a, a drop. You're bound to regret a little bit. And sorry. Uh, <laughs> because I would be worried if I would see more, you know, not trying that much, not mm-hmm. trying to take on his opponents. He's 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 always trying to do the same stuff, and I'm not worried because even if he's having a, a mediocre game or maybe a bad game, he's the center of gravity, and the center of gravity for the opponents as well. There is not. A, there's not a team in the world right now. They're gonna they're gonna play Liverpool, and they're gonna say, you know what, Mo Salah is not at his best form, so let's not focus on him. Yeah. There will always focus on him. There is no team in the world that they're gonna go out in the second half and say, you know what, in the first half we focus too much on Mo, and uh, he's not uh, he's not having the best game, so let's switch our defense and. Let's leave him alone because he's not going to do anything. That's never going to happen. So maybe, right now, maybe he doesn't have the confidence in the front of goal and all that stuff, but he remains in the center of gravity for Liverpool. That means that he remains the center of gravity for the opposition as well. That means there's a lot of space for Mane, there's a lot of space for Zota, there's a lot of space for Diaz. There's a lot of link-up play with Trent. They keep doing that. Mm-hmm. So he might he might not then find the back of the net versus Manfica. Okay, but <laughs> he was marvelous again in his link-up play with Nabi and Trent mm-hmm. in the right-hand side. That meant that Mane had space, Diaz had space. Yeah. It, it's all good for us. And, uh, you know, it reminds me of 13-14 season when everyone was so obsessed with Luis Suarez and because of that 
people like Sterling and Sturridge just got, and Coutinho got so much space because people were so occupied with Luis Suarez. And Luis Suarez had that kind of mentality as well. I mean, yeah, he had that amazing season. But we have to remember that before that, he had some spells in the Liverpool set that he was awful. Yeah. But he he never stopped trying. Mm -hmm. He said, you know what, don't give me the ball. Don't pass the ball to me. And if you're going to do, I'm going to pass it right back to you because I'm not feeling it today. And I'm not going to try to take on my opponent again because I have tried five or six times so far and I have failed each and every one of them. So my morale is down and I'm not going to try another dribble on another shot on another. No, players like that with that mentality never stop. They always have the confidence that they're going to do it next time. Even mm. if they have failed the previous 10 or 11 or 20, I don't know how many times. And the minute I start worrying about more is the minute I'm going to seek him, stop trying it, do more things. Mo Salah, you have to try and be Mo Salah in every minute, in every play, in every game. Mm. And he keeps doing that. And I love that because he knows that things are not quite working out for him. I mean, versus Watford, it was like he tried to replicate that other goal he scored <laughs> versus them this season. Like, he needs... He needs uh, every time he got into the box, it was almost like he tried to do it again. It didn't work out, and it was frustrating to watch. But eventually, you have to accept that he is more, and he's going to try and do more things. And we have to be happy about that. The minute I start worrying, it's the minute I see more uh, passing the ball back and saying, you know what, go the other side. Uh, I don't yeah. want to attack right now. Mm -hmm. Try something, something different. No. He's going to try and do that every single time. And maybe he has a bad game and he walks out and obviously disappointed. It's okay. We go again. He goes again. He does, absolutely. And I'm with you there. Um, he's always trying. He's always wanting the ball. He's always committing. And, uh, you know, that's all that you want from him. I, I am not concerned. I'm with you there. Right, so okay, Themis, so with regards to the first half, can we both agree that that was a rather, rather enjoyable, relaxed, chilled-out quarter-final first half of the first leg? Well, it's it's a masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's one of the best Liverpool games I've ever seen. I have to say that again. It was a masterpiece. We did Control. anything we wanted to do, anything we wanted to do in every aspect of the of the game. It was total domination. Could not agree more, Themis. Could not agree more. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that right then. So, shall we talk about the second half? Yeah. So, the home side. I, I mean, sorry. Yes. Yes, no, yes, I, me, yeah. no, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because as much as I love the first half, my word, the second half gave me squeaky bum time. I... I mean, yeah, there was a little bit of an error and Nunez scored and I think it was only fitting that he would because he was... I thought he, him and... I thought the, the player Everton had a pretty decent game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so a lot yeah. of the ball, a bit, you know, obviously not no end product, but, you know, had a lot of the ball. So, I mean, yeah, that happened and you could see the frustration on Konate's face, you know, like he just threw himself in a big heap, like he's absolutely disgusted with himself. 
and like you said these things happen but after that I felt like Benfica got like a lot of like confidence well they're bound to have a spell in the game mm-hmm. have something to show for their fans for themselves actually I mean they are Benfica they're Portuguese giants they have won the European Cup they're playing in front of the fans and you have to remember that they did that versus Ajax as well uh, they were behind and somehow they managed to snatch a draw and then go away and knock out uh, Ajax so you have to guess that they thought they could do it again they thought they could do it again and that error from Konate uh, that finish cool finish from uh, Nunez gave them the confidence and the belief you know what we're going to do it again. We're going to come back from two goals down and we can snatch a draw, maybe win it. Nobody knows. Who knows? Because it's football. Anything can happen. Maybe it's our night. And yeah, they have a 15, 20 minute spell of, you know, better team. But they stopped dominating every aspect of the game like we did in the first 45 minutes. Mm. And I give them credit for that. But, yeah, they have not much to show for it. I mean, some good half chances, you know, some long shots and stuff like mm-hmm. that. As you said, Everton was helping uh, Nunez and he was cutting the ball and trying to make stuff happen for them. But I wasn't that worried. <laughs> I have to be honest with you. I wasn't that worried because I thought to myself, and I always think that, playing that, it's very hard for the opponent to have the stamina, the stamina and the intensity for the last uh, 20 or 30 minutes of the game. So I'm always thinking that after one hour of play, people are going to be back dominating again mm. because we have so much. We are so much better than that, that aspect of the game. And I've always thought, like we did in uh, Milan versus Inter, that Jurgen is going to look at his bench and bring new faces and new legs into the game. And I was thinking, yeah, enjoy your time. not going to last for that long. Mm. Because Liverpool are going to take control of the game again. I have to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm Usually I'm very anxious watching Liverpool play and very, you know, nervous mm. and stuff like that. But I don't know. In that game, Benfica managed to get out of that spot that we had them in the first half. Mm. Even when they did that, I was relaxed and say, yeah, you know what? Enjoy your spell because it's not, it's not gonna last. It's not gonna last. And we're not. And I was thinking during the game, yeah, I have to be honest with that. I said, yeah, we have thrown away two goal advantages so many times this season with Brighton and Chelsea and Tottenham. So mm. frustrating to happen. Bradford, I think, away. Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't know. Yes, and I, I said to myself, no, not this time. It's not going to happen again. It happened way too many times for that level of commitment and such an experienced group of players. It's never going to happen. It's not going to happen again. We're going to win that game, and uh, I'm going to watch watch it unfold, uh, relaxed and confident about the outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there were just a few like just moments that kind of freaked me out. I mean, I mean that. 
it was like, you know, the, the Alison, you know, that ball could have gone anywhere, you know, when it kind of hits his leg and it, you know, so <laughs> fortunate. I mean, we saw, we saw World Class Alison saving that game again uh, against them. I think it was yeah. Everton. You know, there was a lot going on. And I felt like when yeah. they got that my, goal... My wife almost had a heart attack at that one. I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> so, you know, it was little things like that. And I think what kind of shocked me was the way we were just completely in control of the tempo, of mm-hmm. everything in the first half. And then within 48 minutes, I think it was about 48 minutes when, they, when we conceded. And then, you know, we just had a little bit of a... I don't know. We had to kind of adapt back to their kind of pressure and... Yes. And, and I thought we did well. And you, you speak about Jurgen Klopp's subs. And you know what? It had to be a triple sub situation for Jurgen Klopp mm-hmm. on 60 minutes. So we saw um, Hendo coming on for Thiago, Jota for Salah, Firmino for Mane. I mean, that is just like, wow. You know, the fact yeah. that you change things up like that and make those subs. And you could take off the likes of Mane and Salah and bring on Bobby and, and, you know, fresh legs and fresh ideas. But as a whole, I mean, Thiago came off there. But as a whole, I thought that midfield before Hendo, in my opinion, did perform really well. I loved that combination. Yeah. Well, it's, it's we're not used to that. Mm. We're still trying to get used to the fact that we have a proper squad right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because I... We were watching the game, and as a triple sub was, was made, I was talking with my wife, and I said, "My God, we won the Champions League, and we and we won the league, and whenever we had to bring somebody in, we either never brought anybody in, and to let Mo gamble play the whole game because we didn't have a player to bring in, right? Yeah. So it's not easy for you in club to say, yeah, Sadio and Mo, you're out, because." We had to bring Gorigi and Sakiri yeah. and stuff like that. And I mean, and I said, you know, it's amazing that we won the league and the Champions League with that squad. We didn't have an actual depth, mm. especially in, in, in the attack. And we, we knocked out Barcelona with Divok and uh, Sakiri starting. I mean, anyway. Unreal. Uh, yeah, unreal. Yeah, as you said, unreal. And I was pretty sure that about the 60th minute that we're going to have. Uh, a couple of subs for sure because you have you have to manage the game. You know, changes are needed. You have to manage the the fatigue players. You have to always think that Sadio and Mo are still you know uh, recovering from uh, Afcon, and you have to manage the fact that we're playing City in two mm. days' time, three days' time. And with all that in mind, we're going to see some changes from Jürgen. You have to give Jordan some minutes and you have to keep Thiago fresh. You cannot play the whole 90 minutes and play versus City again. You yeah. have Matip who is rested. So uh, it's an obvious choice. For me, it was an obvious choice to keep Diaz the whole game. It's obvious because he didn't feature versus Watford. And mm. he might not start the game versus City. So, you have to balance, balance everything and to give Bobby and Zota some minutes, rest more, and Sadio, Thiago fresh, and trying to keep, get back the control of the game as well with Jordan mm. coming into, the mid, into, mid, into midfield. So, I think it, we, we managed to do pretty, pretty much everything. I thought, Hendo, 
I thought Hendo did really well when he came on as well. Actually, I think all three subs actually had some kind of purpose and had some kind of impact. I felt like, you know, they came on just at the right time. Not saying that there was anything wrong with the attack before, the midfield before, but I felt like it was the right time for Jurgen Klopp yes. to make changes to add some fresh legs, fresh ideas. And I felt like we kind of... And in that in that little phase as well, I felt like we were probably... A, you know, we were trying to attack their goal again. It was, it was almost like we'd gone back to our usual mode of, you know, we're going to keep going. I mean, don't get me wrong, in that second half, Liverpool were not their best, but they were professional. Yeah. Yeah, and we kept attack, attacking the right-hand side with Jordan mm-hmm. that time, without uh, more this time. And Jordan coming in as a poster in the box. We, we, we even got Fabinho <laughs> playing there. I mean, for a couple of plays, he was our most advanced midfielder, which was so funny to see because he always, you know, stays uh, at the yeah. back, protecting the back four. And uh, we got control of the game. And for me, the best part is that we managed to do everything we wanted: to rest some players, to give another some other players some minutes in order to keep them fresh. Mm. And uh, it was the perfect scenario the way it evolved in the second half. And, and you, as you said, we managed to attack again and take the game to them. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you spoke about Nabi Keita then being, you know, very, very involved in the attack. And, you know, again, Nabi Keita, just a unique footballer, takes, you know, uh, the ball from the middle of the park, goes on the run, takes a deflection, a fortunate deflection, but yeah. lands to Diaz. And you know what? The perfect man for the perfect moment. I mean, that goal came, you know, it, it basically put the, in my opinion, and I don't want to sound cocky, but put the tie to bed. You know, it was like, yep, done and dusted. I think it mm-hmm. ran about 87 minutes. I wish it came like 20 minutes sooner, but I'll take it all the same. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, the feeling gets scoring at the end. Uh, you know, that's the sign of dominance. Because, yeah. yeah, in a tie like that, when the awaiting to me or halftime, you have to manage to imagine there's going to be some kind of reaction from the home team, maybe uh, manage a comeback and stuff like that. The fact that we scored the goal while they needed that goal tells about the gap of the teams. I mean, at some point they were whistling, the fans were whistling the fact that we played some easy passes from the back. Mm. Uh, Virgin passing to Konate, then back to Virgin, then back to Trent, then back to Robo, stuff like that, uh, around the 70 minutes. And I, I said, what are you waiting about? Losing. We're winning. We don't have to attack. You have to attack because you're losing in your home ground. And why are you whistling? You're whistling your team? You want your team to attack? Yeah. Try and see what, how that goes. It's when they you know, try maybe get a set-piece goal, stuff like that, because you never know in football. Maybe there is another mistake, like Konate did. You mm-hmm. never know. And they tried, and Navi won the battle in midfield and carried the ball. And I was I was shouting at the television and I, at Navi at that point because I said, great game, great game, Navi, like in Greek, yes. not in English. Mm-hmm. And he made that through ball with that deflection, of course, and that was the icing on the cake. It was perfect. Yeah, it was perfect way to end the game. And 
I don't know if it set the tie in bed because I never say that stuff out loud. Okay. <laughs> and there's, there's, there's a good practice. Maybe I need to be a bit humble as well. But one thing I did love as well, we talked about, you know, great things from that game. I love the fact that Naby Keita not only had a great game, I thought he was... I thought another thing that I have to give credit to is the fact that Jurgen Klopp got a full, full, like, full 90 out of him. Yeah, he was confident enough to, to let him play the whole game. And because... he didn't drop off, in my opinion. He didn't drop off in anything. No, 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 no. no. He played like a machine yeah. for the full 90 minutes. He had eight ball recoveries. He made, as I mentioned, seven touches in the position box. He played like a second striker. And he won five tackles. He made three take-ons. I mean, he was the complete midfielder in that aspect of the game. Maybe even more complete than Thiago because... Thiago is the absolute controller of the game, but mm-hmm. he's not the midfielder that he's go- you're going to see popping in the opposition box. Not, he's not going to do that. He's very rarely uh, has a touch in the opposition box. And mm-hmm. Nabi had seven in the same game, game that he did everything in midfield. He managed to have seven touches in the opposition box. That's, that's a complete game from a midfielder. As, as complete as it can get. One last question on this game and theme is, um, yeah. is that the midfield that you kind of want to see more of? Well, never see it. How that I saw it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's do that again. Let's see what happens because it's a whole new level to a game. Yeah. Maybe not suited for every game. Those much, much better than we do in what games, what particular games are best suited for that midfield. But yeah, I thought I would never see it. Now that I saw it, I want to watch it again and again and again. Mm-hmm. You can know better which games yes. suit that midfield the best. But I, I think the opponent, the next opponent that is going to have to face that midfield, if any, a combination of attack, yeah, I feel sorry for them because it's not easy. It's not easy to play versus Liverpool anyway, but if you have attack-minded midfield, well, I don't know what you can do about that. Oh, watch this space, watch this space. Right, okay, we've kind of talked about Liverpool Benfica there. And you know what theme is? We've got to go to Man City, Atletico Madrid now. Obviously, it finished 1-0 to Atletico City. You know the first thing that came to my head? And naturally, it would do. How good. They've still got They've still got to keep their focus on the Champions League. Yes, of course. <laughs> and that, that was like literally the first thought that came into my head. I mean, yeah. you know, it's... It's important that they are very much engaged in everything. You don't want them running away with one thing or another, you know. And I love the fact that, you know, it was very, very close. Okay, so City, Atletico, Madrid. Obviously, we didn't watch it because at the same time as Liverpool were playing. So we caught up with the highlights. I have to say, from all the games that I watched, obviously, obviously with all the games that were being played, I thought this was probably the most boring um, in in a sense that it felt like a bit of a training exercise. It was like a defense <laughs> versus an attack. Just four banks of you know um two banks of four by Atletico Madrid. So disciplined. They didn't move out a spot. I think John Felix was their only out outwards kind of um creativity in terms of he was allowed to maybe run off if he wanted to. But in the first half, certainly, theme is 
I thought it was so defensive. And in the second half, I felt like they got a bit better. They had to come out a little. Yeah. Um, you know, they probably were trying to hit them on the counter. But, I mean, I want to get your thoughts on this because I'm just, like, just talking a lot of, like, things that just came to my head. Like, that was... It, I have to give credit to City, though. I mean, they, for most parts, they were trying to be patient. But then I kind of saw them kind of look mm-hmm. for cheap penalties. Well... That game is a combination of two things. It's a, mm. it's a combination of, you know, Simeone's mindset. Of, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm the guy that uh, doesn't care what people think. Yeah. And I'm going to do what, whatever what? I think is best for my team. So we have a second leg coming up in Madrid. So I'm going to set up in the most defensive way possible. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. The other thing is I have to create to give credit to City, they are able to do to their opponents because, yeah, Simone is very defensive-minded, but it's City that forces you to even to become even more defensive as the game goes on, because they started the game playing five-three-two, and by the middle, after the the first twenty-twenty-five minutes. They were forced to play with five, two banks, five mm. players. And eventually, what City managed to do is take all the attacking threat out of Atletico. Because Felix, Griezmann, they had to track back and to track back and to track yeah. back. And whenever they won the ball, they looked up, they were miles away. Yep, no point. Yep. Goal. Yeah. Mm. And talking about defensive masterclass and all that stuff, and if it if it if the game was if the game ended in a nil deal draw, people would talk about a defensive masterclass by Simeone, right? Mm. Well, there's that. And I had them shot on the whole game. They finished the game without shooting the ball for ninety minutes. They haven't had oh, yeah. a single attempt on goal. Not on target, any attempt. So we have to ask ourselves here. What Atletico tried to do? Players behind the ball? Or what City managed to do? Keeping the ball, attacking, trying for 90 minutes to find the slightest gap in order to attack. Mm. Same time, never allowing your opponents chance. We're not talking about chances here. We're talking about they didn't have a single shot. So it's a combination of things. It's, it's what Atletico set out to do, but it's also what City managed to force them. Defensive-minded. That, you know what? Eventually, as you said, at some point, Atletico tried to be more attack-minded, bring some fresh legs in the game, and maybe ride their luck and try to have some chances. That's where they lost the game. Mm. They, they thought that, you know what? Where we are defending brilliantly, it's nil nil. Had a, a big chance so far, so maybe let's try and win it. Let's maybe try to be more offensive minded. That's the moment they lost the game because City brought Foden in and he was brilliant in setting up mm-hmm. De Bruyne. We won it for them. That's total, total control by City because. Yeah. 
yeah, when you're watching the game and you're thinking one team is attacking and the other one is defending. Yeah, the team that is, they are attacking, they are also defending in a, the most amazing way because they're not letting them having a single shot throughout the game. And I have to agree with you, Orline, <laughs> yeah. for the away leg, uh, I fancy City to go through, I have to be honest with you, mm-hmm. and set up a, a rematch with Real Madrid, who were knocked out by them uh, two seasons ago with two wins uh, by City. City won the away leg and the home leg mm. in that pandemic season. After that, they played single knockout games, as you all, uh, we all remember. Yes. Uh, I fancy them to go through, but I don't see Atletico going down without a bad beat because that's what they do. <laughs> no matter what the scoreline is or no matter what the circumstances are. For the integrity of the Champions League, which team yeah. would you prefer to go through? <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I would like City to go through. You know, I, 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 the reason why I ask this is because I, maybe I speak from a wounded Liverpool fan, and I know we did them dirty in the group stages, but they are that that kind of team just frustrates me. I respect that that is your craft and you should play it, and you know, but I just think, and and he's great at it, and why should he change his way? You know, I get where he's coming from, but it's just a team that I, I have to think about, ooh, how would Liverpool fare against this team? And it's that kind of team that does frustrate Liverpool. They've gotten better at it now. I think Liverpool are definitely better at beating the low block and teams that park the bus. I think Liverpool, too, have become patient in, you know, how they deal with that kind of that kind of threat and that kind of non-threat, should I say. But, yeah, overall, I wouldn't really impressed with them um, that game it's probably my least favorite from what i watched i mean so but it's great though the fact that they are still on the ropes and um, i also feel like they obviously like they don't have a big big goal cushion so they will still pretty much know that they have a lot to be getting on with um you know when they play them midweek chelsea real madrid my 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 oh uh, god Talk to me about this one. I thought this was a really, really good game of football, actually, from the highlights. Um, I watched the game, and um, I I then caught up with the highlights as well, just to make sure I've not really missed anything. But I thought it was a really, really good game of football. I thought the first 10 minutes, Chelsea really tried. I felt like they were very attacking. They were very, very creative. I thought Kante was doing really well in the first 10 minutes. Kai Havertz, to me, looked really, really bright. Uh, talk to me about this game because oh my god they did get sucker punch and um, it looked fairly even and then within two minutes Karim Benzema two yeah. headers two very different headers but my word what a player is he and I thought Vinny Jr. did a lot of punishing to them as well in my opinion yeah it was the way he set up his team because there was a lot of talk uh, in Madrid that he's going to start Federico Valverde in yeah. the midfield, in tried because he thought that he needs his uh, his running and uh, his defensive aspect of the game, and he actually did start him, but he kept the other three too. So he had four midfielders actually with Valverde, Casemiro, Modric, and Cross. So his uh, his maybe only attacking outlet was Vinicius carrying the ball, and of course the brilliance of Karim uh, Benzema. And I thought yeah. Tuchel got it uh, wrong because 
in a game that Madrid uh, played with four midfielders, he decided to leave Kovacic out again and start with Jorginho and Kante as a double pivot in midfield. And mm. that is exactly the gap that Benzema exploited in his first goal. Don't get me wrong, there mm. was amazing, amazing headers. He played a very really nice one too with uh, Vinicius, didn't he? And he just thought, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it's about the brilliance of the player, of course. Mm. But I think uh, Chelsea, uh, Tuchel got it wrong versus uh, Real Madrid. And, you know, there's a saying that if you're going to be the king of the jungle, you have to kill the lion. I don't know if you have heard about that. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, if jungle, then Real Madrid is the lion. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, you have to kill them early. Them early because they are the only team in Europe that they do not have to have a great season in order for them to advance mm. to the semi-final or the final or to win it all. We know that firsthand because that's what they did uh, in Kiev. They didn't have the best season. They weren't the best team in the, in the world. But somehow managed to knock out everybody and win three in a row because it's their competition and you have to kill them early. And PSG had the chance to do so. They blew it. And now Chelsea had the chance to do it. They, they blew it. Mm. And now <laughs> I think we're bound to see City playing uh, Real Madrid uh, again. Um. Yeah, possibly. Uh, I think... I still think that City are the favourites because they can control the game mm -hmm. in a way that no other team right now, bar Liverpool, can do. But anyway, it's a, it's a great European night for Real Madrid, a great European night for Karim Benzema coming out of the shadow of Cristiano Ronaldo. When Cristiano Ronaldo did that, the knockout stages of the Champions League, Madrid fans and Ronaldo fans used to say only him can do it. Well. Karim Benzema can do it as well. <laughs> and uh, we, sh we should have recognized that a long time ago. Give all the credit and all the, the spotlight to Cristiano Ronaldo because he's a great footballer. But, but he had this fortune of going to Real Madrid the same summer that they bought Cristiano Ronaldo. So he was always in his shadow. Mm. And people forget that they played up front. The most successful seasons of Real Madrid, they played as a unit. Benzema alongside Ronaldo. Ronaldo alongside Benzema. The difference is that Benzema can do it alone. He doesn't need another striker next to him. He can lead the line by himself. Whereas when you have Ronaldo, you have to play with two up front. Mm. Always. Otherwise, it's not working. Ask any Man, Man United fan. Mm. They should know by now. Mm. I think the thing that really impressed me about this Real Madrid performance, you know, away from home was, um, I think the belief that they may have got from the PSG game, you know, what they did in the yeah. second leg, because their first leg, I'm not, you saw them, they were so defensive, it was so yes, hard, we were taking the mick at them, and this is like the polar opposite of what they did this time round, you know, they came out swinging, I felt like it was a really good game of football, I thought it was very open, it was end to end. I mean, for me, it was a decent game of football. I mean, and I think you've just said it there, right? You seem to think that this might be a step too far now for for Chelsea now. Yeah. I, anything can happen. 
especially yeah. with the away goal you, you scrapped out. Anything can happen. But that confidence, you said, is what uh, what can happen in the knockout stages. You mm-hmm. go out in the game versus PSG, and PSG are the favorites, and you are you're the underdog. And uh, all of a sudden, you are you find yourself coming back from the dead and get a huge win and uh, Benzema and all that stuff. And then you got the belief and then you got the confidence and then you are Real Madrid all of a sudden. And that's why I'm, that's what I am saying. Uh, you have to kill them early. You have to kill them when you have the chance because when they come back, they are too big for you. You know, what I, find, you know what, again, what I found really interesting was, of course, it finished 2-1. And Chelsea were up for it, and their fans were up for it. So we, mm-hmm. we break for half time. They literally come out, and Mendy has an absolute brain fart yeah. at the moment. Rudiger mm-hmm. doesn't clear it, and there's Benzema. Thank you very much. Like they literally, like t- as an expression, shot themselves in the in the foot within yeah. a minute of coming out. Yeah, it ruined the game actually because mm-hmm. I thought for the neutrals, everybody was thinking, yeah, great. Chelsea managed to get one back. We're going to see a very entertaining second half. And it started the way you said with the disaster class by Menti and uh, Riddiger. And after that, I think Benzema's third goal was the last shot game because, you know, he said, you know, we had enough. We scored three already. So let's now protect our lead and not try anything else. And Besides that, yeah, there was two, those two headers from uh, Lukaku and that uh, shot by... Aspilicueta, oh gosh, yeah, yeah. Gosh, yes. But overall, it was total control of the game because uh, error from Mendy took the life out of Stafford Bridge and the fans and the players. That any, any sense of belief they had after Sky Havertz scoring, it was gone. It, mm-hmm. it was like they were watching a game that they knew there was no chance of, no way of them getting back into it. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Um, uh, next game then. Okay, I think the shock, the shock. Villarreal versus Bayern Munich. I mean, this one, again, I'm going to just say something. I, I have to give so much credit to Villarreal. They score within seven minutes. Dan Juma scores, right? Yeah. Seven minutes. And I've had and flashbacks to the Salzburg game. Again, they took the early lead against Bayern. Yes. And what they did yes. was they defended, they defended, got sucked deep, and of course got punished and then got really punished for the return leg. Mm-hmm. I'm sat watching this game and I'm watching this team and they are so threatening on the counter. They are so yeah. quick. They have got so many good players that actually can cause so much devastation. And you know what my takeaway from this game was, and I'm going to let you talk about this, I was absolutely disappointed that it only finished one 0 because Villarreal would probably could have scored a fair few more here. Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> absolutely spot on with uh, the comparison with the, the previous uh, knockout stage. What Bayern Munich did in the game, conceding early and then uh, attacking and attacking and then absolutely uh, winning the game versus a much uh, inferior team. No, that was a different scenario. As you said, and it was a chance for Villarreal to maybe even win it by two goals, something like that, because they never stopped uh, attacking and threatening with Moreno and Danzuma, the two players playing up front in the mm. 4-4-2, with Los Celso coming yes. in from the right side, side, and uh, 
I was disappointed with Bayern Munich overall because mm. I thought they had a bad game in both aspects of the game, both defensively and in their attack. I mean, the game finished and you look at the stats and they say, you know, Bayern Munich had 22 shots on goal. Yeah, but 13 of them were outside the box. Mm. Only nine shots were inside the box. And we have talked earlier in some other podcasts about the fact that the other team, it's, they get the most players inside the opposition's box. They are the top team in Europe right now. I thought so, Villarreal set up quite well as well. They had two banks of four, right? And there's not yes. much space between their midfield and defence for Bayern Munich to kind of penetrate. I thought Coleman was probably their, um, maybe their outwards kind of creative, creative play in terms of from the flanks, but they, there wasn't much going on from the middle of the park and uh, they were resorted to kind of shooting from out the box. I did notice that as well, so you're spot on with that. Yeah, and the fact that uh, Bayern Munich and Nagelsmann set them up with only two midfielders, you have to think about, you know, we watched the first leg of those quarterfinals. Only two teams set out to play with two midfielders. Chelsea, and they lost the game. But you have to think that they play with two midfielders, only Kante and Jorginho, and, uh, Kante and Jorginho but they play with a back three, right? Yeah. Five when they're defending. Bayern Munich were the only team that played with a back four and only two midfielders, Kimmich and that uh, and Morciala, the youngster. Mm. And eventually, essentially, they played with a 4-2-4 because you got Coman and Gnabry on the flanks and Lewandowski with Miller. Well, that's not Champions League football. That's not Champions League setup. You can do that in the Bundesliga. Maybe you can even play with one midfielder because you are by far the better team. And even when the opponent scores, you can make, you can still outscore them with all that that amazing talent that you have and all that attacking uh, play. If you set up in the Champions League that like that, you're bound you're bound to get punished. That's not a setup for the knockout stage of the Champions League. That that's not a setup for a quarterfinal. And uh, they were punished for it. Uh, I still think that have a very hard task ahead of them because, mm. yeah, playing away versus Bayern Munich is not for everybody. <laughs> yes. And uh, Allianz Arena is a very, very hard stadium to play. Uh, and two, I have visited that stadium for the Champions League final when Chelsea won it on uh, penalties. It's an amazing, amazing stadium. It's, it's a modern one, but it feels like a proper football stadium as well. It's not like the Emirates or stuff like that. It's it's a proper football home. It's got for, soul. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's an amazing mix of you know the modern uh, mm. hospitality and all that stuff, but <laughs> very tough crowd <laughs> and very hostile uh, atmosphere. And uh, I still think that have the capacity to go through and yeah face Liverpool in the semi-final. And uh, but. I, I thought that it was another game that exposed the fact that Bayern Munich are not at their best form right now. Mm-hmm. And are not the team that we think they are when we show, when we see the results and we see the goals they're scoring and we're talking about how great a striker Lewandowski is and Müller finding his form again in the past couple of seasons and Gnabry and Coman and Davies, of course, 
the left back and all that stuff. Well, they have issues. They have issues. They're not balanced, you know. They're not balanced like City are, and they're not balanced like Liverpool. Uh, maybe they can win games, but they cannot play the way we did in the lose, and they cannot play the way City played versus Atletico. If Bayern Munich were facing Atletico Madrid, I don't know. Maybe they would they would win again. I'm not saying that they would lose the game, but there is no way Atletico would finish the game without a single shot. That's what City did to Atletico. Bayern Munich right now do not have the capacity to do that to an opponent. To take the ball, to attack, and at the same time have the defensive organization to limit their opponent. What Liverpool did in the lose by an individual mistake, nothing wrong with our defensive setup, right? And yep. what City did to Atletico, right now Bayern Munich cannot do that to an opponent. That, mm. That's what I'm seeing so far. I'm not saying that they're bound to go out because the Champions League and anything can happen. There's yeah. more details and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Inside of the post in, outside of the post out. But right now, they are below the level City and Liverpool. That's my take. No, but I think that's fair. And I think you're right. I think once it does go to um, the Allianz, I think, you know, it might be too much, which is why I'm absolutely devastated that Villarreal didn't get a few more goals there because they mm-hmm. definitely deserved them. I thought they were definitely the better team overall, um, uh, in my opinion. Right, Themis, I think we've come to the end of this podcast. I mean, is there any takeaways that you want to kind of share on on these fixtures? Anything you want to get off your chest before we close it off? No. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're good. Hope, yeah, let's hope for a return leg at Anfield. Inter Milan. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't. I, really, I literally don't care if we if we win again and if we go through with two wins. I don't care as much as we go through the semi-final again. Uh, that third time in four five seasons with Jurgen, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, let's hope we go through and nothing like a huge upset uh, on come. Wednesday, we play Wednesday, right? Yeah, we play Wednesday. Yes. Let's hope we go through, and I don't care about the results. I do not care who plays. <laughs> yeah, let's have an off night. Uh, risking uh, qualification. Let's qualify for the semi-final because we deserve it, because we are the better team, because we are one of the best teams in Europe right now. So we have a chance to at least play a semi-final and mm-hmm. let's see what happens. And if we do it with an off night, like we do it with Inter Milan, I don't care because we deserve it and we won the right to do so by winning 3-0, 3-1 away from home. That's my take. And also we're eliminating our chances of having an absolute stinker further down in the competition. I like the way Themis thinks. Yes. And finally, yes. I'm finally on the same page as him. Right, guys, <laughs> we hope you enjoy this podcast. Myself and Themis will be back. Next week, obviously, um, uh, you know, once these games are fully concluded and, you know, it should be fun. Hopefully we get some good results and we just want the Reds to make it to the semi-final. Right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Give us your feedback. Let us know your thoughts. Um, you know, who, who do you think will progress? You know, predictions. If you want to go there, share, give us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you guys. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Enjoy your weekend. It's only a big one against Man City. But till next time, <laughs> till next time, take care and up the Reds.
We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.